Welcome to Coffee and Tea with SNL. Everything you love about your favorite coffee shop, all wrapped up in a podcast. I'm Lisa, and I'm passionate about tea, travel, good food, and great conversations, and anything that makes me grow. I'm Sabine, and I create spaces that people enjoy. I'm also a wife, mother of two, a coffee lover, and enjoy a great scented candle. We're two great friends committed to living our best lives and seeing others live theirs. Welcome to Coffee and Tea. Hi, Sabine. Hi, Lisa. How you doing? I'm well. How are you today? I'm good. It's, the sun is out, so I'm excited about that. Yes. It's Every good. time I see the sun, I get really excited. It's a nice, mild day. Funny how I think a couple of days ago it was 40 degrees after being Seriously. freezing for ages, and we're like, ah, do we wear shorts? Like, what's, what do we do? Yeah, people so. don't really know how to act. When the sun comes out. It's like it is not that summertime. Warm. It is still winter. But yes, it is good for to have the mild days. But yes, so what else is going on with you? How's your week? Week is good. I feel like this your week highs is and lows flying. This week. Yeah, I feel like this week is flying by. I was at church on Sunday and the speaker was talking about how we can be emotional and how our emotions can be in there's nothing wrong with emotions, but they can be inconsistent. Yes. And I was like, ooh. Like they're not the gauge. They're not the gauge. I feel like this week I've allowed myself to be led by my emotions instead of my faith in a lot of areas. Mm. So almost in that area of, okay, let's snap out of it. Okay, emotions, you are not leading the way. Right. I would say that's my low. I will say my high is I've been really excited about these projects, these design projects that I'm working that I've been working on. The latest one has been a living room okay. with a couple that's terrified of color. Of course, I love color. Are they and letting you do color? Or they're are you letting me neutral? do color. So okay. I think they have enough trust in me to know that I'll deliver them a nice looking space. Right. So I've slowly introduced some blues and some, as long as they see it all together, I think they'll be okay. But okay. I've been really excited about how it came out. So So that project wrapped this week? Yeah, that project wrapped this week, and I'm presenting the idea later today, actually. Okay. Yeah. Exciting times. I'll let you guys know how that went and if they they liked it. So what about yourself? How's your week going? I had a similar low to yours. Very, I felt very emotional this past, the past few days. It just kind of anxious out of nowhere. Yeah. And even had, I think, one or two nights woke up in the middle of the night and my heart was racing like where I just had kind of the visceral like physical reactions of anxiety even though cognitively I don't feel like I'm anxious I'm not consciously anxious of anything at the moment but clearly my body is anxious so that was a bit of a low like okay let's really sit and figure out what's going on that I might not be in touch with that my body is in touch with so that was a low I think my high has actually been eating clean and it's funny because when you're eating clean too, I've, I've felt much better since then. We're just really eating things that I know make my body happy. Like my body's not a big fan of grains. My body's not a fan of dairy, but just really eating lots of veggies, lots right. of, you know, lean meats and things that my body likes nuts. And so I've been eating clean and worked on two new recipes this week that were, were pretty fun. A paleo magic chicken oh, and okay. some gluten-free and vegan chocolate donuts. So... Oh, nice. My daughter would love that. She's all She's into donut making girl. donuts now, yeah. actually. She was asking to make donuts last night. I was like, nope, I don't have time for that right now. Yeah, so I think my okay. head is reconnecting to, to how, you know, food is medicine. Food and is medicine, eating really yeah. clean, I think, this week has been, has turned things around. Well, I'm so excited about today's episode. Yes, we are introducing, well, we're interviewing, rather, Lisa Toomey. Yes, she's a so close she's someone friend. we both know. Yeah. You are closer to her by far. Yes. What's your kind of connection? History with her. What's my history with Lisa? We we actually go way back. To college um, days? To college days. Yes, she went to Temple. See you. I went to, to Temple. You. That's school ever. Yes, we were in the same campus ministry together. So, wow, that was like 10 years ago. Let's not date ourselves. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> like you didn't year. hear that. That was last year. <laughs> what am I talking about? <laughs> but yeah, we've been really great friends for, yeah, the last, yeah, like 10, 10, 15 years. So we've seen each other grow, get married, have kids, and 
um, do different things, I guess, in our careers. And so she's up to some really great things. She uh, recently, a couple years ago, started her own YouTube channel and just talking to young girls. To inspire young girls. To inspire young girls. And just recently, she... Um, wrote a book wrote a book with we'll a series of other that. authors so I'm really excited that we get a chance to talk to her about that and she's uh, a big runner too isn't she's she? a big runner and she's very it's funny you were talking about what we eat she's very much into clean eating um, cleaning yeah clean eating and she's made a dip like I think it was the, the last five years she's dramatically changed how she ate I, well, I didn't say diet but I always hate the word diet because Diet it feels like a fad like, or oh, something yes. you're passing through. Temporary. So it's it's been a, a lifestyle. lifestyle. Yeah. So um so yeah, we can talk to her about that too. But yeah, she's completely changed her eating lifestyle and I'm pretty sure she'll she'll touch, touch on that too. So I'm so excited that we get a chance to talk to her. Hi Lisa. Hi, Lisa. <laughs> I'll try not to give us a bad name. I know, right? We're like Lisa, <laughs> Lisa, and Sabine Lisa, Lisa, today. Who who am I talking to? I have to Welcome. Thank you for joining us Thank today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. It's so good to have you here. So we always start with what's in your cup because, you know, this is coffee and tea with yeah. SNL. So what are you drinking? So I just finished having some hazelnut coffee. Coffee. We have a coffee drinker. Hazelnut cream. I don't trust people who mix and match the flavors. <laughs> oh, right. So hazelnut <laughs> yeah. coffee and right. hazelnut it cream. Match. It like, does have okay. to match. Be it consistent. Does yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I, I'm always the same. So you're not a hazelnut and French vanilla. Mm, mm, no. <laughs> I stick to the rivers and the lakes like that I'm used know. to. Like I, every time I branch out, it's a disaster. I'm like, why? Why did I branch out? Just stick with, with you know. So yeah, it's great. It's the same every morning. That's funny. Uh, today, because the weather is semi nice and the sun is out, I had a frozen coffee today okay from chick-fil-a this morning i was like oh it's decent out so from chick-fil-a what is their coffee like actually i don't like their coffee Oops, but sorry, i was Chick-fil-A. rushing this morning okay usually i brew my own coffee <laughs> yeah. but i have the frozen one because okay. i feel like that's their best it's better than their iced coffee yeah so sorry chick-fil-a love everything else <laughs> not but the coffee. not the coffee <laughs> so what's in your cup so i'm drinking tea today i'm having um organic white tea just a pear flavor so nice. doing the white tea that today. is the most simplest tea you've had yet really yeah <laughs> usually it's like you know it's like ginger <laughs> with rice and with rice and, and spring leaves, and spring leaves. <laughs> <laughs> like no just pear like tea. some coconut flakes splash of <laughs> citrus right and chocolate last time chocolate. she had chocolate coconut I've something. never tried chocolate tea. Yeah, it's good. I have to say, though, some of your flavors make me want to cross over to tea. But you should. Come over. <laughs> no. You're welcome. <laughs> so, uh, Lisa, yeah. we Lisa Toomey, for those that don't know, you actually recently collaborated with 12 other, or yeah, 12 other mm-hmm. Strong Women co-authors. So yeah. tell us a little bit about that project. Mm-hmm. You are in chapter 11, I believe. So mm-hmm. for those that have not read the book yet, tell us a little bit about how uh, the project got started mm-hmm. and what the chapter is about. So there is a woman by the name of Stephanie Ford, and she is the owner of a women's empowerment organization called Get Your Mind Right. And she was an acquaintance that I knew from running. She saw my YouTube channel and was really interested in kind of helping me develop like my thoughts and ideas about what direction I wanted my channel to go in, what my vision for my channel was. And so we had kind of built a relationship from that. And then last year she decided that she wanted to do, you know, just some other strong women that she knew. So she kind of put the call out. Some people were invited to join. I was like made to come. She was like, you have to write on this <laughs> you book. You don't have a choice. Me. Yeah. Wow. What a compliment. Yeah. So I feel like she knew enough of the stories that I told because I kind of feel like I've lived a a trillion different lives in one like short span so she's like just this is the story I want you to tell and (laughs) you just need to write on the book too so you know I joined in and 
kind of went from there. I'm going to take us a couple steps back. Mm-hmm. So how would you describe yourself? I know we didn't kind of go into your resume mm-hmm. too much, but who are you? To me, you're a woman of many talents and many <laughs> outlets. And how would you describe yourself to our listeners? I am. Ah, that's a that's a big thing. So I I do. So when I say I feel like I've lived a lot of different lives, mm-hmm. I feel like I most of my life has kind of been defined or I've kind of defined myself as a woman through just coming through so much adversity. I grew up in foster care from pretty much birth until I was 21 years old. And then at 21, I got married. So I went from like foster care sort of to, well, actually being a college student Student, and on my own to getting married. And then we had, wanted to start a family and we lost our first baby. And then we had another set of infertility issues Mm -hmm. That lasted for a couple of years, and we got pregnant with one kid, then they just kept coming after that. So now we're four kids in and going on 15 years married. And then in between that time, I've owned my own in-home daycare. I did teach for a little bit in the school district, and and now I work in, I guess, social services slash nonprofit world. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I kind of feel like my who I how I am as a person is just pretty much a mix and mashup of all of the lived experiences kind of all jammed into one. Yeah. I think I'm wise. I think I've tried to be, I tried to allow the best parts of the things that I've gone through to really be what defines me first. Like I feel like when I go into any new space, I kind of lead in with all of the lessons that I've learned through the trials that I've had to live. So that's kind of who I am in a nutshell. I kind of show up like, (laughs) A bu- you know, like a bunch. Of, I'm, I don't know. I feel like in person when people meet me, they kind of think like, oh, she's kind of mean and flat. Because I feel mm. like I have a flatter, like, oh, interesting. resting, like, why are you talking to me face? <laughs> I don't know. That's what I've been told. People who are my friends now are like, when I first met you, I thought I you were, scared. like, mean and uninterested. <laughs> and then when they get to know me, they're yeah, like, oh, my gosh. you're peeling off the layers. You. Yeah. I don't know. I guess my my outer expression is still. But, I mean, I think when you when you kind of come through what I've gone through in life, you you know, you kind of wear a little bit that on a little bit of that on your skin as right. well. So I think it kind of just you kind of bring it all with you when you show up. So I don't really apologize for that anymore because I'm just like, I'm too old to be like, <laughs> I really should smile more and be nicer to people. So I really get over it. Like, come talk to me and then you'll and get you'll to like, right. see what, what else is there. So yeah, that's kind of who I am in a nutshell. I love what you say about basically bringing all those lessons mm-hmm. to the forefront and into every new situation mm-hmm. you're in. Mm-hmm. And I also love that you've redefined yourself in a lot of different ways, mm-hmm. which is one of the main reasons we really wanted you on this podcast because Mm -hmm. that's one of the things we're speaking to is that it's never too late to become who Mm -hmm. you were meant to be. You can always redefine yourself Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. and take on the next challenge, even if it's not what you've done before. And I think you're such a good example of that. Thank you. And I I love how you tell your story like in the, in this chapter. Mm -hmm. And of course it's called here's to strong women. And in chapter 11, you start off with saying, I'm finally a part of the family. I've, always prayed for Mm -hmm. now you said you've been married for 15 years Mm -hmm. you have three boys and one girl Mm -hmm. when was I guess not the aha moment but when did you finally realize like wow my prayer has been answered Mm -hmm. so that moment I wrote about in the chapter as well came from after my daughter was born so the first daughter that we lost she was still born at 37 38 weeks so I was full term and I had I kind of just always felt like I was missing something when people would say like oh you have three boys when are you gonna have a girl and I would just my heart would break every time someone asked me that question Mm -hmm. because it's like I have her I just don't have her with me um and so when my daughter was born whose name is journey because we say we named her journey because she's a trip because she's like a whole (laughs) (laughs) she's like a whole entire trip so it was probably at that moment when she was born and I'm like oh it had been nine years from the time we had lost our first daughter and then three sons and then nine years later her journey comes and then she even came after a still another miscarriage and so I kind of think at that point before she was born I was kind of just like this is just isn't gonna happen for me Mm. like and I think it's one thing to think of, like, well, what, I wonder what it would be like. Is another thing to have gone down that path and not really have fully made it. Right. Um, and so I think it was probably at that bo- at that point when she was born. And so in the chapter, I talk about how I was kind of sitting at the, uh, the dining room table 
And I kind of looked around. And then being from foster care, I don't have a lot of pictures of myself when I was younger. Young, right. um, and then I lived in some group homes as a preteen. And so um, I don't really have a lot of photos of myself. So I have no clue what I looked like as a kid. And so I only imagine that my daughter probably, because she looks like me now. So I imagine that that's kind of how I looked yeah. when I was younger. So she's kind of like my walking still shot of little Lisa and she has like all attitude and everything and she's <laughs> she's like mean she up front fierce. but sweet like on the back end though you just kind of have, have to like take her all in at once to really appreciate <laughs> all of the wonderfulness that there is there. there yeah so it was at that moment when I was sitting around the dining room table and looked and I just was thinking like wow I'm finally a part of the family I always wish for and I didn't even realize that it was a prayer that I forgot and I prayed and I think that's the best part about like those kind of redemptive stories, mm -hmm. those full circle moments. Yeah. I feel like we all have them. I call it, so the title of the chapter is Miracles in the Meantime, and I call it a miracle just because it kind of, it's not really, like miracles to me aren't those big moments where it's like, oh, the miracle was that she was born, mm. more so than, it's almost like a shift in your mind. So mm -hmm. there's a book called A Course in Miracles, and it, it defines a miracle oh, yeah. as a shift from fear to love. So it's that moment when you realize that what you're seeing isn't really what you, like there's come, it's almost like there's more to life. So I, I call it a phone booth moment. Okay. When Superman kind of goes in, is it Superman? Yeah. Clark Kent, same Who guy. Goes okay. into the yeah, so he goes into the phone booth and he changes his clothes yeah. and he transforms. <laughs> and then so it's like, well, what really changed? Because he's still a superhero in regular <laughs> clothes versus a cape and he could fly in his khakis, but it wouldn't necessarily be the same. And it's almost like that phone booth is like a shift in the mindset yeah. that says now you get to be different, but you're not becoming something else. You're just stepping in a, to the truer form of who you really are. That was always there. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like those to me are what I call miracles. Those moments where you're like, oh my gosh, this is a full circle moment. Like it wasn't new. It felt familiar. It felt right. like, oh yeah, this is what I prayed for. But it's the moment when you realize like, oh my gosh, this is the magic this is right happening. here. Yeah. yeah. Is, and then it's like, it's, all, it's so old because she's like five months. She's like, why are you crying? Like, I'm not new. Like I've been here. <laughs> but it does. It feels very, and I, it's almost, I guess people call it deja vu. I think people call it different. That moment where you feel like you've experienced here before. before yeah and it's all I think it's because you you're so familiar to your prayers to the to the desires of your heart True. that you know them so much that when you're finally like sitting in those moments it's like okay yeah this is it boom and for me that's the miracle it's the awakening to your own like magic in a sense to be like okay and then I named I titled it miracles in the meantime mm -hmm. because I feel like in the meantime while we're busy living life and doing things we're missing those like phone booth moments where it's just like here's a chance for you to shed off those extra layers of who you told you yourself you, you were, were right and really step into the truth of who you are but whether you're in regular clothes or whether you're in a cape you're still amazing and capable of great things so you don't really change you just shed the illusion of who you think you are to become like the truer version of who you know to be, yourself to be to be yeah and sometimes that could be so blurry because we're just living our lives, whether we're doing nine to five, taking kids, we're taking mm -hmm. care of ourselves mm -hmm. and life is just so busy, filled with stuff that yeah. we don't take the time to realize, to pause mm -hmm. and be like, wait, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm really blessed. Yeah. And I think it's an inventory too. You got to like check off what's yours and sort out what's not. Cause I right. feel like we clothe mm -hmm. ourselves with the ideas of who people have told us we, we were. are yes yeah i feel like i could go in like 10 different directions there's so many things you're saying i'm like oh yeah that i guess for you how do you feel like you peeled off the layers to reveal who you really are mm -hmm. i feel like going through the fire of affliction you <laughs> uh -huh. kind of like burn right. off by like, burning the off the cleaning <laughs> oven right like it just turns the heat up because i was wondering like how does a cell cleaner oven even work because i have always had that feature on the oven but i never knew it literally just turns the oven up so high that all of the crud just kind of falls, falls off. off and so i kind of feel like adversity has been that conduit for me to be able to shed off those extra layers it's like no this isn't who you are anyway so i think in having a lot of heartbreak i've had to figure out almost what to grieve first and mm. the other part was writing the book really helped because we kind of started out just writing and then from writing the story like kind of writes itself almost so like the truth of what you're wanting to say emerges and so I've just done that a lot in life where I've just kind of you know taken inventory and been like okay is this my truth or somebody else's so I think the more self-aware I've become the more I've kind of asked the question of okay well who do you want to be and how close are you to that because a lot of things you're like I wish I was this it's kind of like you kind of already are you just don't know to call it strength I didn't know like 
some of my weakest moments were actually strength. And I don't know if it was disguise or if it was just clothed to something else. Mm. And then it kind of, it took that adversity and challenge to kind of peel back that stuff. So I didn't get a choice. I kind of was just like, well, I'm stripped bare now. I guess, <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I guess I have to make what, you know, I have to figure out how to live in this skin or live in this existence and this reality. So life kind of forced me to recreate or kind of adjust and really more so step into the fuller truth of who I who am. Who you are. Yeah. You talk about showing up versus acting out Mm -hmm. as a kid Mm -hmm. and being no one's victim. Mm -hmm. How do you define showing up today and how has that approach changed your life? That's a a good question. I like low-key stumping. (laughs) I love when you said showing up. I was like, there's just something about that. It's like, yeah. Which again, ties into what you're saying. It's Mm -hmm. not like you're not someone different, right? Mm -hmm. It's the same person, but Mm -hmm. showing up as your truest self. Right. Versus acting out, which again are things that are in you, right. but it's all about how you present it and, and mm-hmm. what part of yourself you're bringing forward. Right, and I think the idea of the ego versus the ego self versus the true self. Mm. I think at any moment the true self is the version of you that you really are, and then ego is just who you show up as. And I feel like when I'm showing out or acting out, especially when I was younger, I was just angry about a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. and so I took a lot of like cognitive behavioral therapy, and I think that really helped me shape my my mind and my thoughts in the very formative years that I got to have a choice. Like you don't get to say where you live or what what's going on, but that the self-control and the self-mastery is enough mm. for you to kind of get yourself to wherever you need to be. So for me showing up, I guess just looks like really checking myself because I feel like I, I've had to learn to be good at telling myself the truth mm. of being like, okay, you're being silly or okay, or you overreact. Kind of like self-correcting so that I'm not just kind of like you guys were talking about emotionally steered in whichever direction right. life takes you. And I think when you have true valid reason, like I have a right to be angry, I have a right to be upset, you can feel very justified and just you know, doing the most and just being, you know, like I get to be angry and it's like, but you get to be happy too. Right. Understanding that I got to have a choice in which of those two paths that I chose was really powerful for me because then it wasn't about what was happening. It was about, okay, what do I want to make each moment, each situation mean for me? So showing up for me is just saying that I I decide what what this means. Like it, it happens and, you know, disappointment, heartache, people get on your nerves, kids drive you crazy. Mm-hmm. But how you decide what you're going to make that mean for you, I feel like is how you show up in any given moment. You talk about being diagnosed and um, or sh- should we say misdiagnosed mm-hmm. with depression at the age of 10. Mm-hmm. I think when I first read that, I was like, wow, 10 and being put on Prozac for two years um, before another doctor recognized the error. There's something in the book where you said that the doctor said that you're not depressed. Mm-hmm. You're just a traumatized child. Right. I guess looking at that now as an adult, mm-hmm. how do you feel like that's changed your, not necessarily approach, but w- what are your thoughts on that now looking back? Well, I felt sort of relieved and sort of sad I feel like and this is not to downplay mental mental health Mm -mm. um but I feel like because we don't normalize pain and trauma enough Mm. or grief enough because we don't normalize it and say no you should feel sad because this is really sad like this is a sad existence or this is really awful what happened instead of saying oh it's probably depression and it could be um but it's not depression that happened in a vacuum. Right. Yeah. It came right. about as a result of the right. trauma. Right. And so for me, I was relieved because I kind of felt like, okay, so there's something I could do. Like there's something that I can, especially being 10, because it's like you don't know mm. what the heck is going on anyway. And so um, I do remember feeling like just really confused, really like nervous, anxious a lot, just traumatized, mm. like not knowing what would be next. Um, I think at that point I was living in a group home. So I was moved out of the foster home that I was in, taken away from everything I knew. And I was like in a, a group home, which was like, I guess, essentially an orphanage. There were anywhere from like 10 to 12 other girls that kind of lived in the dorm style space with me. And we just had different staff come in and out, kind of cook us food or whatever. And we were kind of like on our own. And I have an 11 year old and I can't imagine like him trying to figure his world out mm-hmm. by himself without a parent or any type of consistent guidance. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely know it was like traumatizing and a shock. Cause it's like, how do you function now? Like who, who am I supposed to be now? And so 
the diagnosis of depression and the medication. I remember the medication just being really, I just felt like numb all the time. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned that in the book too, where medication kind of just numbs you to everything. Like there's- The good and the bad. Yeah. It's like, there's no way for your, like our brain doesn't differentiate like true happiness. Well, I wouldn't say true happiness, but you could be sitting at a funeral laughing. Your brain, you know, cause some, you know, people tell us jokes or whatever. And grandma was so whatever, whatever, everybody laughs. In that moment, your mind doesn't say- oh, we're not really happy in this moment. We're just laughing at a joke about grandma. Like your your mind doesn't really care about the, I guess the back end of where the happiness comes from. It's just like in that moment you feel a sense of happiness. Right. And so I feel like our we're, our emotions aren't like really that smart, which is why it's not a good idea to be led by them. Yeah. But we're not like that. <laughs> emo- I feel like women are a little bit better at it than men. <laughs> yes, we're not I so agree. emotionally intelligent that our brains know like, okay, you're truly sad in this moment. You could be watching like, the color purple where they split up or whatever. Any moment can trigger you into an emotion. And for you in that moment, you know, perception is reality. So yes. your your emotion is, your truth in that moment is sadness, yes. even if that's not the current condition of your, of your like world. Life. Mm-hmm. Yes. So having the therapist actually normalize my experience and just say, you're sad and that's okay too. It kind of really gave me the permission to be on that path of, oh my gosh, this is the worst thing ever. And so I kind of just got to be there for a while. Yeah. And then versus somebody saying, you're sad and there's something wrong with that. That's not normal to be sad. You know, it's almost like we, we don't, we we don't build that emotional wherewithal um, to weather storms Mm -hmm. because we're like, something's wrong because I shouldn't be sad. Sometimes that, yeah, sometimes that emotion helps us. And sometimes you just need to process it. And so that's kind of what that did for me was allow me to process that that pain that I was feeling in a better way yeah and it's not an, an immediate it's a process because you had to go through counseling and after that so it's not like you got off the medication mm-hmm. and you were okay right but just knowing that it's not a quick fix mm-hmm. yeah but, but being able to really work through it right. and get to the other yeah. side of it mm-hmm. I think it was the first time I gotten permission to not be okay yeah and that's good for women to learn especially it is. 13 for somebody to tell you like not being okay is okay, it's okay and is normal. Like most folk aren't okay. I'm yeah. like, really? What? Because I thought everybody else was, <laughs> was yeah, totally fine with everything. <laughs> yep. So that was really helpful to learn early on. And I think it's a lesson we still need to learn all the time. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine sent me a text yesterday. Mm-hmm. I'm totally going to butcher it. But the gist of it was basically <laughs> that grief is okay to go through. Because even for personally, there are a number of losses I've gone through. The loss of my mom, just different losses over the last number of years. Mm-hmm. And there's a place where I know I need to grieve those things deeper on a deeper level. And mm-hmm. when you haven't dealt with the grief, it shows up in other weird ways. Mm-hmm. Probably part of what's connected to waking up in the middle of the night mm-hmm. feeling anxious. Yeah. You know, and so this friend sent me a text just about like, that's all normal. That's mm-hmm. grief. Mm-hmm. But you have to work through it. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And I know that, you right. know, but we sometimes need to be reminded and remind each other like, mm-hmm. that's okay to not be okay. Right. Another thing I tell people about grief too is that because I've gone through so many series of different losses at like different course, stages yeah. in life, um, is that grief multiplies. It doesn't add. So it's not like I lost my mom plus my sister died plus my other sister died plus my baby mm. died. It's this person died or I've suffered this loss multiplied by the by fact this. that this. So like it kind of like multiplies the pain of the other one. And you seem to not want to string it all together, but it kind of just all runs together. You're like, I don't know what I'm crying for first because... There's so many There's things so much. and they all like multiply the pain of the other ones. Yeah. That's so it's a lot to so unpack. True. It's a lot to unpack. But it's good to know that you should and that that's normal too. Right. Yeah. And that it's normal to not be okay while you mm-hmm. work through those things. Yeah. So you are just an impressive woman in general. And there's so much about your story that impressed us. Um, one of the ones that jumped out to me was just the foresight you had to put yourself in a charter school. When what That wasn't even really something... You had heard about really before, but you knew that somehow kids going there would get to complete their education quickly. You put yourself in there. Can you tell us about that whole situation? Like what gave you the foresight, the courage, all of that? I'm just in awe. Okay. So at that time was when my foster mother had passed away. She was older. And so she passed away and I was in high school and I think it was maybe ninth grade in a one of the guidance counselors came to our class and they're like, you guys are getting kicked out of the home that you're living in. And I had another biological sister who was in foster care with me with at the you. time. And they're like, you're getting kicked out and you got to move. And I was just like, okay, again, I think this was probably like the third or fourth move like ever wow. in life. And they all came suddenly. Like there was no, okay, listen, this is what's going to happen. You're going to move in a month. Yeah. It literally was just like, 
somebody would just walk in a room and be like, okay, here's your stuff. And so we had to leave school early and put all of our stuff in trash bags and leave and go to somewhere else. And I remember feeling like at that point, I'm like, I'm done. I'm over this. This is a couple of years after I had kind of learned my new skills and different things like that. So at that time, I was either a freshman or a sophomore in high school. My, I think I was a sophomore. My sister was a senior and had gotten pregnant. And that was a time where everybody on the block <laughs> was like pregnant. And so my sister and a neighbor was also in high school had both told me about this charter school. And this was like the first, because I'm not going to date myself. So being kind of <laughs> right. I I don't, sorry, right. in the streets. So being kind of almost, <laughs> almost through, like implicated me on how, <laughs> how long ago we were in school in college. I said that was so, last year. Um, <laughs> charter schools are still fairly new. I think less than 10 years old. I'm trying to like save my yeah. Yeah, good job. Good job. <laughs> good so they're fairly new. So it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> but that was it. It was like, this is a school where juvenile delinquents. So all of the boys had like some type of record. And wow. all of the girls were either pregnant or had babies at home and the crazy thing was when I went to the school to sign myself up the new principal of the school because it was a new school the new principal was the assistant principal at the school I was leaving oh and so he was like what 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 are you you doing doing here here? and I'm like I'm not pregnant (laughs) no I just want to graduate early so he kind of knew like what my world was and he knew all of the faculty on staff knew that we had just lost our foster Mm -hmm. mom and so Everyone's kind of really supportive. And so when he saw me, he was just like, why are you here? Like, what, what are you doing? And so when I told him that, he was like, okay, okay, you're in. And I didn't get any consent. I didn't get nothing signed. I didn't have wow. any permit. Like, I just did it. The courage that it took was just that time where it was like that phone booth moment where those, the truth mm-hmm. of who you are rises. It's just up. like, we're in a jam and nobody's coming to save you. Nobody's coming to fix it for you. You get to make a choice. You get to decide what you want to make this mean for you. And so that was my decision. It was just like, bet, I'm going to the charter school. And I went to summer school and night school and day school. And I graduated even early. I graduated in December and had to go back in June to walk. So, yeah, it was just like, it's just a fierce determination to be like, I can't, I can't wait for somebody else to decide anymore. So it was kind of. Yeah, I think I was woke pretty early, pretty early on. As a on. sophomore in high school. I know, how old does mm-hmm. that make you? Like, how old were you then? I want to say I was 15. I know I got I know I got accepted to Temple at 15, and I, right before my 16th birthday. And so, my birthday's in December, so somewhere in there, I think I was, I, I was 16 when I graduated. Okay. And then maybe that following fall, going into my freshman year, I was like 16 going on 17. So, okay. I was about somewhere around the age I, I was still one of the younger ones but and still in about that same peer group by the time I reached that next year but it was you tough. had to grow up fast mm-hmm. do you feel like you missed out on like you have four children do you feel like you're reliving some of that childhood or some of your childhood dreams that maybe you didn't get to yeah so I did talk about that in a book how I get to re kind of have a do-over for mm-hmm. all the things I feel like I missed so the proms, the graduations, all of those moments that I thought like, oh, I didn't get to have that with my mom. I get to now recreate with my own kids. kids. And again, those are miracle slash phone booth slash moments where again, you get to like step into a newer truth. And also for um, when I became a mom, I realized that I also got to experience that maternal love. Mm. So I kind of felt like even in a mother's love, I feel like I kind of raised, I think I say I'm like, I'm growing myself up at the same time mm. because they kind of do put a mirror to your face <laughs> and make you see yourself literally like a mini version of yourself bobbing Am around. Am I doing that? Right. It's like, where you get that from? I was yeah. like, oh, that's me. Why are you slamming doors? We got our daughter at like a play kitchen. Okay. Like last year and she's just slamming the cabinet doors and I'm like, who does that? Who does that? <laughs> It's me. And sometimes I'm just in a rush. I just kind of like slam stuff. And sometimes I'm just irritated and not even (laughs) catching it. Right. But she's like slamming her little mini cabinet doors and fussing at her baby, (laughs) throwing food at him. Like, I do not throw food at you guys. That's not a reflection. (laughs) Exactly. That one's you. I don't know who you are. Yeah. Mm. So that again, are you know, those full circle moments when I do her hair, I'm like, oh, this is Hmm. mom daughter stuff. So, yeah, those moments are always great, too. You also say in the book, I love this, you say, begin to seek with the expectation of finding, finding God, finding strength and finding yourself. That can be a hard statement. 
I think, too, yeah, because I remember reading that and really loving it because mm-hmm. on one hand, so even for me in my life, right, mm-hmm. sometimes I can see that I can go into expect- into situations with too many expectations mm-hmm. and then be really disappointed. And, you know, the feedback in those times can often be something like, you know, you need to not go in with such high expectations. Or then other situations that don't turn out, critique, if you will, is you need to have higher expectations and you need to, you're not going to see or find if you don't expect. Mm-hmm. That's a tricky balance I've found. Yeah. How do you, how, A, how did you mean that? Mm-hmm. B, what would you say to someone, I guess, in my situation of like, sometimes I expect too much, sometimes not enough. Mm-hmm. I think for me, <clears throat> when I when I wrote that, I was, so I literally was thinking about like losing my car keys because my kids like to hide my car keys. And so you don't leave the house. <laughs> <laughs> or because they just one. think it's a fun game. Fun. <laughs> When I look with the expectation of finding, it's not that I'm not clear that it's there. So I'm like, I know my keys are in the house because I drove myself home and let myself in. So they got to be in here. I always hate, though, this is a sidebar. I always hate when, when you're looking for something and people are like, well, where did you have it last? If I, if knew, I knew that. Or it if it was there, you know, this would not I be happening. If where it was, I wouldn't be lost. <laughs> or me. when you're lost and people are like, well, where are you? If I knew where I was, I wouldn't I would be lost. Or calling you so you know how by <laughs> But yeah, so at, at the moment when I wrote that particular line, that was what I was visualizing was that the expectation is not that it won't be found. It's just that I'm not sure where it is. Mm. And so it reminds me of that scripture where Job says, I don't know where God is, but I know he knows where I am. I think that regardless to how it shows up, I know it's there. And so that's kind of what keeps me grounded is that there's a, I know that there's a greater plan at work, even if I can't see it. And also because I know it, sometimes come clo- comes clothed or disguised as something else. Yes. I'm sure that somewhere in here there is meaning and purpose and great stuff and I might have to peel off a couple extra layers to find it, but I'm not necessarily confused. My expectation is not about God, are you here? God, do you hear me? God, do you see me? It's just like, look, I can't find you, but I know you know where I am. So hook a sister. You don't even have to get off the throne. Like you could just look my way. <laughs> just look, look my, my way. General just go ahead. Shoot me a side eye. Wink, blink twice. <laughs> if you hear the words that are coming out of my mouth. Sometimes it really is like yeah. that desperation of I can't figure it out, but I know for sure that God knows where I am. He knows my heart. He knows what I want. Mm-hmm. He knows the desires of my heart. Sometimes I even pray, like, especially with thinking that I wouldn't be able to have kids or thinking like this, having a girl is just not going to happen for me. I remember praying to God, like, just take the desire out of my heart. Mm-hmm. But that also requires surrender, too, because it's like, are you really okay with letting it go? And so I would kind of wake up and be like, I think the desire is still there. It must be meant for me to have. Mm. And that was kind of how I've always just, we did that actually when we got engaged, Jonathan and I, we're like, we're going to pray about it. And if we still want to do it in the morning, (laughs) (laughs) like if we still want to get married in the morning, then it's probably meant to be. And so we woke up and I've kind of just always been, you guys watch that tidying up show where she's like, you look at something. Oh, and it it sparks joy. Right. If it sparks joy, then you know, you have to, find something to do with it but it's meant for you to have and so that's kind of how I look at desires and expectations it's the same thing it's like if it's supposed to be for me if it's you know if it still excites me if it still makes me happy if I'm still willing to get on my knees about this every single day Mm. and beg God to remember it then it must be for me to have and that's never like that's been fail proof like even when I think I had nine pregnancies and four living children So I've literally lost more pregnancies than I've had. And I can say that the desire has never left my heart to Mm. have a daughter. And so even though it was nine years and it kept looking impossible and literally like a couple of months before we got pregnant with Journey, I had given up and I was like, you know what, if this is what it is, I think I'm okay with being done. Like I told myself it was okay to not want to try. But for some reason, it was still in my heart. And I'm like, God, can you like work this out and like pluck this thing out of here so I can stop being in pain and grieving it and wanting it? And it was there because it was supposed to be for me. So I think that whole expectation piece is just knowing that somewhere in the chaos and the mess and the confusion and hurt, the pain, the grief, the disappointment, the loss, that somewhere in there, I'm expecting that the goodness of God is still going to be revealed to me while I'm alive. Because who wants to be like, oh, when you get to heaven, child? Like, no, I go. 
can we like not live in hell and die and go to hell? Like I really want to like see some of God's it. Now. I got a living. <laughs> right. So looking with the expectation of finding isn't a matter of questioning whether or not it's there. It's just n- saying to myself, I know it's here and God knows I'm here. And somewhere in this, we're going to find our way to one another. So I can go home now. Wow. Like that literally is what I needed to hear. I have goosebumps right now. Really? Thank you. That's, I needed that. So I don't need, I hope this helps somebody else, but if it doesn't, this is why we're here. I needed to hear that. Thank you for that. Very powerful. Yeah, because a lot of times we have things in our heart and we're just like, why, why won't this go away? Mm -hmm. No. And then, and then, and then we look at other people's lives and Mm -hmm. it's like, no, it doesn't help when some people say well just stop thinking about it it's oh like, yeah but it's, we got that a lot very oh well-meaning gosh. people they love you they i think they just don't want to see you well. disappointed yeah. disappointed yeah we had but. people who loved us like we can't watch you cry about another lost baby mm-hmm. like you gotta not do this anymore well-meaning like i me and god have a thing worked out that you were not a part of right so see your way out <laughs> and isn't there isn't there a scripture that talks about each heart knows its own pain and that's mm-hmm. so true mm-hmm. as much as they love you they don't understand what you're feeling mm-hmm. and what you are going mm-hmm. through right. nobody else can right feel that mm-hmm. but you yep. and god really mm-hmm. and that's the best part about god because he's like i know the backstory you don't have to explain it to yeah. me you can kind of just come as you are and he'll be like it's still there hold on to it and the promises of god i really think are for the times you want to give up not for like right. i find when god really reassures me of something it's because i'm tomorrow going to be faced with that seed being snatched out of my hand and he's like i'm not telling you to hold on to it so you can feel good i'm telling you to hold on to it because the storms are about to blow and i need you to remember to hold on to this because sometimes i think we can forget like in the chaos of things so whenever i get like a reassurance from God about something, I get nervous. Cause I know like, at least oh. for me and my experience has been like, he's about to shake the table <laughs> <laughs> and everything's about to go flying everywhere. And so that's like, I'll need you to hold on to this. Cause when you come to the other side, you're going to see it all. But for now, just hold on. Right. Yeah. So I don't even know how to follow that. <laughs> um, but before before we leave, I do want you to talk about your YouTube channel because yeah. I love your YouTube channel. When I watch your YouTube, I'm like, is this Lisa? <laughs> this is like her Sasha this Fierce. Is Sasha, yes, exactly. <laughs> We're saying that earlier. <laughs> Sasha Fierce. Is, I love it. You, you just have so much joy, so much passion. Mm-hmm. And your YouTube channel, Lisa with an E, mm-hmm. um, Lisa T, you talk, you talk specifically to girls. Mm-hmm. And you want to empower them. Mm-hmm. Tell us how you got started with the YouTube, where our listeners can find you on YouTube and what they can expect. So my YouTube channel is Lisa, L-E-E-S-A, um, T. Um, and when I first started the YouTube channel, it was Life According to Lisa. Because I felt like at that moment, like when I first initially started, it was mm-hmm. just kind of like, I just want to give my spin on the world. Um And the YouTube channel was birthed out of kind of sitting too long on the things that I had to say. Um, Because that that whole version of, like, that whole... So when you go to the YouTube channel, you're going to see, like, a whole nother animated version of (laughs) it. Yes. But that really is also... Hair tosses and everything. (laughs) (laughs) That is... um, That's me, too. Like, that's, you know... Me, too. (laughs) (laughs) That's my other other side. So one thing that I realized when I had decided to do a YouTube channel was I really just was thinking about just kind of like my life. It was one of those like inventory moments to be like, okay, what are you going to do with all of this? And people would always tell me like, you got a, you got such a great story. You had to find a way to like, share it with anybody. And I felt like from a pretty early age, I felt like I knew that I was kind of like Moses. Like I was set apart for a purpose. Mm. And so I knew that it wasn't enough for me to get to the palace and turn up and be like, yeah, I made it and I'm good. Like I had that longing to kind of reach back and pull other people up. My audience kind of developed itself. When I looked at my analytics, I just found that my audience was young women. So I was like, oh, this is who's watching my videos. So then it be kind of it kind of became more specific to let's be intentional about talking to who we're talking to mm-hmm. now that I know that this is my audience. And so I kind of that kind of helped me develop and create my content because it helped me to be like, okay, what what do 18 year olds want to know what would I want have wanted someone to tell me when I was 18 even if I'm talking about something that's relatable to everybody mm-hmm. I kind of speak with the idea in mind that my the majority of my audience is younger women 
teens, millennial-ish crew of people. But I definitely think I talk about what relates to everybody. And so the YouTube channel was just really like a passion project I didn't have. So the main thing that I wanted to do was kind of just spark offline dialogue and everyday conversations. And so that definitely the book came from that. People who didn't know I had anything to say were like, oh, my gosh, I want to talk to you about everything. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, okay, great. So it kind of like created a space where I could have dialogue online with people and engage with people there and then also have engagement with people offline and just have that, you know, face to face time where you sit and talk with people and you know, hear their stories. And that's mm. the biggest part is that people want to tell their stories. And that's, I think, healing because it kind of helps you to sort out what, what your story is. Yeah. Yeah. And helps you to define yourself for yourself. So that's definitely why we do the podcast here is to share the stories of different women. Mm-hmm. Um, not because one story is better than another, but because we can all learn from each mm-hmm. other's stories mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. and grow. So. Yeah. And everybody has one. Mm-hmm. So. Everybody has one. Yeah. Everybody has their own story. You talked earlier about not being attached to outcomes mm-hmm. and how that has shaped your relationship to success and your relationship to just moving forward. Mm-hmm. Can you explain that a bit? Okay, Speak so to that, please. The, the uh, attachment to outcomes is my newest like lesson. Like I feel like in the, I feel like I've lived a whole year in like five weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Not I'm ready for the year to be over. <laughs> 2019 is canceled. I feel like un- being unattached to outcomes is sort of almost, I guess, the equivalent of saying being surrendered. Because mm. um, I feel like when you get to a place where it's like, I don't even care anymore. That's when everything comes. And it's like, well, what, what was that about? Like, I waited nine years to have a daughter. The minute I say, I'm done, I'm not having no more kids. <laughs> like, I literally have a consultation with OB to tie my tubes. And he's like, you have to wait six months because you're already three months fully pregnant. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that wow. That happened. Yep. And it, do, it does that like <laughs> all the time. Like life happens to me that way. And I think it's everybody. Like, everybody I feel like I feel like I feel like when we're so like clenched on to the outcome to where we're willing to like manipulate and we wouldn't really call it manipulation mm. it's like i'm just trying to fix the cards and stack the deck but you cheating girl <laughs> you you manipulate it but we kind of like okay. shuffle things around to ensure a certain outcome i've just found when i become unattached to the outcomes and just say i'm open to whatever let it be unto me as you said like just let however it's supposed to happen happen it never returns void like it mm. always comes back now with that i would say i i become unattached to outcomes but i've also learned to accept it however it comes back like just be like i i want to make a youtube channel to empower people mm-hmm. and if it so happens that somebody sees that and say hey we want to we want you to write on a book and then somebody reads the book and say, hey, I want to read for a podcast. And then somebody listens to the podcast and say, hey, I want to have you come speak in an event. Like it just spirals into whatever it should. It and then it's just like, OK, well, if that's what it is. And that's probably what it's meant for me to be, for, you know, for, for it to be. I've just learned to stop planning, like to stop making outcomes or deciding like it has to look like this. Because I feel like often when I've done that, I've missed the actual yeah, opportunity. Gifts. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Don't be attached to outcomes. y'all. It's just... Don't be attached. To I mean, have expectation, yeah. but don't be like, it has, has to, look to look like look this because you miss it. Meanwhile, it's like so across the street. So many times you miss it. So what was the experience like working with the women co-authoring a book with? It was really, really good. It's multi-generational. So there are women who are like, old enough to be my mama. I might, I'm, I don't think I'm the youngest one, author, but there are so many topics in the book. Um, from depression to substance abuse to somebody talks about a traumatic brain um, injury that they had. Another woman whose sons are incarcerated. She talks about her experience of being a mom to children who are struggling with that. So I feel like it really is a story of like every woman's story. And I feel like it's such a timely conversation with so many of the topics that are going on in just the world, Mm -hmm. especially in America, about women. It being okay to talk about not being okay. It being okay to seek help when you need it that whole I am my sister's keeper when my sisters win and so am I the collective effort of what it looks like when women come together and support each other and really just come together and tell our stories and how powerful it is and I was really grateful to have the opportunity to have one of the most important stories of my life kind of laid between the pages Mm. of other women who have gone through their own set of challenges. And so it is, there's something about that universal sharing of your story that connects you and ties you together to people in a way. But I really just love how there's so many different layers and stories to be told. It literally, every per, every woman in, this, in the book is a version of me somehow in life. So I think that it's a good book. And I'm really proud to have been a part of that project. 
so I have a website now. I'm gonna have to go and actually put it up. Okay. It's Lisa T. <laughs> It's Lisa T, same as on YouTube, L-E-E-S-A-T, online. So it's not a .com, it's just Lisa T online. And I have a link there. You can purchase the book there. Okay, great. Any last minute thoughts, Lisa? No, this has been amazing. I feel like great I'm sitting here taking notes. <laughs> I know, <laughs> we're literally taking <laughs> notes. So this has been amazing. I mean, we were really excited to have you on. And you have far exceeded our expectations. No, I feel like I just were already high. I just finished. You know how you leave those inspirational conferences? Yes. And it's like the keynote speaker. <laughs> yes. Exactly. I'm fired up and motivated. Yeah. <laughs> so you have fed our souls for sure. Yes, and can have. Have, you know, we're sure you've done that for all the others mm. as well so thank you thank you thank you for Thanks. having me yes, thank you for coming this is awesome what you guys are doing i think i just love having conversations about these things i feel like we don't talk about them enough yeah no we I don't feel like this oh i'm fine it's like girl you're a man right you are we're a whole all a mess. let's right. help each other mess. through it mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and it's okay right right yeah, yeah. it's okay it, the the back of the book i love this quote here's to strong women may we know them may we be them May we raise them. So, and being strong doesn't necessarily mean that you don't have any issues. Again, you're strong usually because you've gone through issues, come through on the other side. So, mm-hmm. so thank you, thank you. So, Sabine, before we wrap, who would you get uh, take out for coffee this week? This week, I would take my grandmother, Georgette. If if she was still living, I think I would take her out to coffee in New York City. I've just been really thinking about her just a lot lately. You know, I named my my business after Mm -hmm. her, Georgette, and my mom, Marie's, and she helped me. She helped raise me. She introduced me to coffee. (laughs) But yeah, I've just been really thinking about her lately. Just wish I had more time to spend with her. I'd love to take her out for coffee in New York City where she lived, for sure. So we're super on the same wavelength today. I feel like my mom is who I would take out for tea. I've been thinking a lot about my mom lately too. Like just this week had a really good talk with one of my friends and we were talking about parenting and our relationships with our moms and even just how our relationships with our parents affect our view of God. And I definitely just miss my mom and would love to to talk to her about a lot of things that are going on in life at the moment and would love for her to see my sister's success and to see just to see life where it is now so yeah right. so i guess we'll take uh you'll take grandma i'll take mom, mom. yeah tea. yeah that's funny <laughs> we've been on the same wavelength this week more than usual my friends yes. <laughs> struggle with emotions but going through them not being led by them not being led by them and i just i love what lisa was saying being unattached to the outcomes i just feel like there's so many i'm gonna have to listen to this episode like five times just for myself and take our notes and take notes with some coffee and just to curl up and listen to the podcast there were a lot of gems in there there were a lot of gems so it just it's a good reminder that i just i love what we do we get the opportunity to talk to different women and they're able to share their stories because I think we said from the beginning of this podcast, like we don't have the answers, but all together hearing from we all other do, people's stories, we just learn from each other. So it's a powerful thing. So I'm just really grateful. Me too. Yeah. So that's our that's our show. That's our show. So thanks for thanks for joining us today. We'll catch you. We'll catch next, you later at the next episode. Bye. Bye.